Today's uh, New Testament reading is in Romans 8, 26 through 39. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows our hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. And what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse God, who accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us the right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, Overwhelmingly victory, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, neither nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to say that um, that hymn that we sang at the opening, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, as we were singing it in the first verse, it said, What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. So as I begin praying, um, and I know you all have prayers in your heart, it is a privilege to be able to stand here and before our Lord and pray. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we just praise you because you are powerful and you're almighty and you are good and loving and just. And Lord, I just thank you for every soul that is here today.
And I thank you for the rain you've given us. And I thank you for you lead us in everything. And I just thank you that um, we all have this church to worship you in and the freedom to do that. And Lord, I just ask that you'd be with all those who aren't with us today, those who've had surgery, who are ill or sick. Um, and I just ask that you would comfort them and, and be with them. And um, and I, I know a lot of people are traveling right now, Lord, and I just ask for um, you have mercy on them in their travels and keep them safe. And Lord, I just um, ask that you would be with Brian Amberly and their children, and Lord, we thank you for them, and we thank you for what they mean to us. And Lord, I just ask that you'd bless them and hold them up in your love, and just be with Ryan today as he um, gives us a message, and let the Holy Spirit speak to him and help us to prepare our hearts to um, be able to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say through him to us. And Lord, I just ask that you'd be with all our um, leaders in our world and in our country and in our states and in our communities, Lord. And Lord, where there's division, let there be um, unity. And um, and Lord, help us all come together and do what's um, in your will. And Lord, I just ask that you'd be with all our military um, personnel and their families as they um, are, are serving our country. And, Lord, if there be anybody in this church, in our families, that don't know you as Lord and Savior, that you would um, bring them to you. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. You know, I don't know who came up with the feature on our smartphones that allows us to respond to a message without using words. Um, but if you're like me, that's pretty handy throughout the day. And I think the technical term is tap back, uh, the tap back feature. And so, um, but you know, whoever came up with that was a genius because it's very simple. You know, you either like something, you dislike something, you love something, you laugh at something, or maybe you emphasize something. You might question something most of the time, but it's, you know, you're going through. And, and it really is genius because all day long, every day, all of us, no matter what we do for work or where our attention is, we are whether we realize it or not, we are assigning things like like, love, dislike to all sorts of people, all sorts of institutions, all sorts of ordinary daily events. When we assign like or love to something, we are affirming the goodness of its existence. And when we assign dislike, we are saying we wish that that did not exist. Uh, so it's very clear about what's going on. And, uh, you know, human beings are compelled to action. There, there, are, there are two things that really compel us to act. Either force, uh, which we sometimes need uh, to compel us to action because we're stubborn or we don't want to do something or whatever, uh, or we need to be brought back in the line. The other one is by attraction, uh, by desire. And 
We all could agree, I think, if we talked about it long enough, that our souls, like the deep burning inside of us, our life, in, you know, the life inside of us is not motivated by force. We, we are motivated in our deepest places by attraction, by desire. And so souls, our souls cannot be forced or, or driven, you know, it's just like in the old day, like the movie, in the movies and cattle drives, you know, it's, it, it looks as though it's like a, uh, a, a horseback squeegee and you're just pushing everything, but it really doesn't work that way. Any of you though, that, that deal with livestock, it, 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 there's a lot more give and take and there's a lot more drawing. There's a lot more inviting uh, animals to respond to pressure that's not harmful. And it's the same way raising children and all sorts of things. We try to figure out how to get in touch and get connected with that desire, with attraction, because it works a lot better and it gets at the heart of what's really going on. And so souls cannot be forced or driven. They must be attracted. They must be drawn to something that is worthy of our desire. And so when the soul sees the supreme good of God's love, we have seen, we have read about, and we've experienced our souls will move at that moment, at that time. And in that moment, we realize that God has said to us, it is good that you exist. It is good that y'all exist. It's good that each of you exist. That's what God is saying to us when we experience that. Uh, it's, it's when our soul wakes up to that reality, a new birth. And we exclaim then in response, well, God, thanks be to God, it is good also, God, that you exist. And so therefore, we're, we're exhibiting our love for God, as God's love has been shown to us. And this is how the economy of God's love works. Now, there's much counterfeit love out there that we know about. There are many idols to be aware of. They look like love at first, but they lead us into all sorts of dead ends. These idols will let us go. They will draw us to them, and we will grab hold of them, and then they will let us go and leave us. They will put us to shame. They will drop us, and they will not give us what they promise. They trick our souls. That's the deception of idols. But the good news is the gravity, the great weight of God's love is so, so much greater and so far beyond. The gravity of God's love is so strong. As the Bible says in the Song of Songs, love is as strong as death. Many waters cannot quench the fires of God's love. Neither can floods drown it. Or we might say out here in West Texas, neither can tornadoes tear it apart. It's stronger than that. This virtue of love more than the other two, I mean, they're all very intimidating for me to preach uh, surrounding. This one especially, though, because if any of us were to try to summarize the whole narrative of the Bible, the entire story of God is a story of God's love. I mean, that's really what we see from Genesis to Revelation. It, God creates out of love. At the end of all things, God is redeeming us out of love and carries us on into life that lasts forever. And all in between, God's rescuing us and coming after us when we run away. Every single story, every point, and obviously culminating in Jesus, uh, whom God did not withhold because he loved us so much that he gave his only son. And so this is the great news of the scriptures, that God loves you, that God loves me. This is the common narrative of the Bible. That's why the song Jesus Loved Me just never gets old because you can't say it any better than that. The virtue of love, though. What is the virtue of love? You remember St. Paul saying, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. 
And love is the only virtue that really carries on into eternity. It's the only virtue that we receive now in this life, and it grows inside of us, and then it stays with us forever because we will always be receiving and giving love as long as we're alive eternally because we're going to be in the life of God, and God has always been love at the center of God's being forever and ever. And so when we, are, when we see God face to face, we will no longer need faith because we will see no longer dimly, so we don't need faith anymore. We no longer need hope because we will be home. We won't be pilgrims anymore. We'll all be there. We'll all have made it. And so uh, love is the one thing that remains because it's the thing that we'll always need. It's what we were created for. And we were created to behold God and his goodness and to love God and to be loved by God. And that ongoing communion of love between human beings that God created, the world that God created, and the life inside of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that will keep us busy for the rest of our eternal existence. There's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It will never end, right? World without end, uh, amen. That's what we're dealing with here. And that's why love uh, is, is the, the greatest of these, as Paul says. Uh, the gift of love is something that awakens inside of us when we recognize that we are loved by God. And then we begin to, of course, want to share that love with others. It's like a well inside of us that's overflowing. It's bubbling out to the world. It's a love that grows in our soul. As long as we exercise love, as long as we experience love and we share that love, it will get larger inside of us. And if we take that love and we ignore it, and we suppress it, and we don't share it, and we don't reach out, and we don't make room in our hearts for others, then that capacity to love inside of us gets smaller and smaller and smaller. That's why we see these trajectories in people, and we all know both kinds of people that, you know, some that grow in love throughout their life, and others that decrease in love throughout their life. And that's how love works. You, you can't be sitting still. You're either growing or you're declining in capacity to love. We're kind of in this middle part of Romans for these three sermons on faith, hope, and love. And, and, and we round out here in chapter 8. And chapter 8 is very fitting. It's in the center of the book. It's in the very middle of Paul's letter. He spent the entire book, I mean, talking to us about God's love. The book opens up uh, where he calls us God's beloved. We belong to God in chapter 1. We talked about last week how we're not disappointed Hope doesn't disappoint us because God's love is shed abroad into our hearts. It's poured into our hearts. And so as long as God's love is poured in, into our hearts, uh, we're, we're good to go. We're not disappointed. We move on and we experience life. So we know that love is, is kind of at the center of all things. But in chapter 8, it really ramps up. And we realize that now the Holy Spirit is helping us in the ways that we need help. God's Spirit is bearing witness with my spirit, with your spirit, and reminding us, teaching us, affirming us that we are children of God, that God, in fact, does love us. And we have that assurance that, oh, yeah, I belong to God. I remember my baptism. I remember that God loves me regardless of what I've done or have not done. And he loves me just because of who I am. My existence is good to God. And so he loves me. And so the chapter begins with there is no condemnation you remember when Jesus says to the woman who's caught in adultery, he says, well, woman, who is here to condemn you? And all the stones have dropped. And she says, well, no one's here to condemn me. He says, well, I don't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. There's no condemnation in love, right? There's no more of that condemning judgment. And so those that are, that are recognized that they're loved by God, uh, it's a, there's a freedom there. And the chapter ends with nothing can separate us from the love of God. So once we've determined that love is a good thing that we would want to hold on to, the good news is, hey, it doesn't go away. 
God won't let go of us. And that's great news. And so our participation in this love is called grace in the New Testament. Uh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That's what we celebrate. Anytime we participate in the love of God, it's called grace. And so in chapter 8 of Romans, the Spirit of God is at work. Writing a new law on our hearts is no longer a law that's written on tablets of stone that only a few people have access to and have to interpret to the rest of us. But in fact, the law of God is written on our hearts, and that is the law of love. And so there's this new capacity that begins to grow inside of us to love and to forgive, to receive God's love, to give God's love, and it's this ongoing thing. I think really the basic, the best basic definition that I've ever heard of love is just kind of a philosophical definition. But if you go back, to, I mean, the, the people that have written about this a lot in, in the 20th century and that kind of makes sense in our language, I think the best way to describe what love is, is love is simply the experience of or saying, it is good that you exist. It's good that you exist. The alternative is that you don't exist, and that would be not love. But love says, it's good that you exist. And so that works with God's love for us, where we learn and experience, we come to believe, wow, God really does love me. God really does think that it's better that I exist than that I not exist. Because sometimes we, we despair and we think, gosh, what's the point? Or what, what is my purpose here? What am I really doing? Or maybe it'd be better off if I wasn't around or whatever. And love and, and receiving God's love, we're remembering it's better that you and I exist than that we don't. That's good news. Thanks be to God. And we recognize that we're loved unconditionally by God, and that's why God created us, because he loved us. He loved the idea of us so much that he gave us life. and put breath in our lungs and gave us a place on this earth to live. And then it comes back when it, we're learning to love God back, and we're learning to love our neighbor, and we learn to say, God, it is good that you exist. It is better that you exist that, that, than that you don't. And then we learn to look at our neighbor and say, neighbor, even though you drive me cotton picking crazy sometimes, it's good that you exist. It's better that you exist than if you didn't. And I'm going to affirm that. And I'm going to believe that. I'm going to act as though that's the case. And I'm going to love you. Even though we disagree on things, even though we voted for different people in the 88 election or whatever, I'm going to love you because I'm affirming it's good that you exist. And God has you here for some reason. And we're going to work this out. And so it's an affirmation of our existence and our neighbor's existence. It's an approval of God's love. Remember, God saw everything that he created in Genesis and said, ah, yes, that's good. That's very good. That is very good. And that's what we hear every time someone shows us or teaches us or we're reminded that God loves us and that we are called to love others. Learning to love really is a movement from... I'm thinking it's not good that you exist, neighbor, to, okay, it is good that you exist. And that's the hard work of love. You know, that's what taking up our cross and following Jesus is a lot of times, is laying down our own life, uh, laying down our own love of, uh, undue love of self that we might pick up a love that is larger and greater. It's like making room in our hearts for more love. It's making room, it's, it's a hospitality thing. It makes room in our hearts to love God, and it makes room in our hearts to love others in a way uh, that keeps everyone safe and brings everyone the good things that love desires to bring to us. So we've kind of defined love. So what are some characteristics of love? Or like, how do we recognize love in the world when we see it in our friendships and in our communities and in church families and all the places we see it? How do we recognize love? A couple of things from Romans 8. This is not an exhaustive list. It's just something that I've been thinking about this week. From verse 32 
Love gives. Love is generous, right? When we see generosity, that's love. Uh, Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also graciously give us everything else? Isn't that great? Won't God, I mean, if he didn't withhold his son, why would we think he would withhold good things from us? Uh, That's how God loves us, generosity. Uh, The second thing I see in Romans 8 is love holds on. Love fiercely hangs on to us, i.e. nothing separates us from the love of God. Even though we feel like we're suffering, we're going through something that we've been separated from God's love, Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Uh, All these things, despite all these things, victory is ours through Jesus who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor fear. Today, worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Love holds on. Uh, We see that in our human love. Have you ever been loved by somebody in a way that they just, they held on? They didn't let go of you when you were hard to love, when I was hard to love, and those people hung with me? And that's part of how I learned what God's love was, was people didn't give up on me. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's what we mean by unconditional love. Number three, love sets free. Love provides freedom. Verse 30, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Or another translation might say he justified them. Having given them right standing, God gave us his glory. So uh, we realize that we've been given this, we've been issued this freedom in which we can stand. Uh, it's, It's the truest freedom. And so then we realize that we've been given freedom by God's love, uh, we, we take vows and things like that. We're actually binding ourselves to the goodness of that love. And, uh, and that's, how we, that's how we keep going. You know, that's, that's what, what gives us our truest freedom. And that's why when we fall in love, you know, if we want to keep that love strong, we want to let that love grow, we make vows to each other. And we say, hey, when the feeling of being in love is not there 20 years from now, 20 days from now, 20 minutes from now, and even when it is, it's these vows where I'm going to bind myself to this love because it's worth it. And it's, it's that idea of kind of, you know, the, the, the captain lashing himself to the mast and saying, I'm, I'm here for it. You know, I'm hanging on no matter what storms come. And that's where we find our truest freedom is, is taking those covenants, uh, which just celebrate the love of God. And finally, uh, love works all things for our good. Um, this is how we learn to love other people a lot of times is we're working for their good. If we, if we believe that it's good that someone exists, we want to affirm that, then we want them to experience goodness. We want them to experience beauty. We want them to experience truth. And so we'll work that they can experience those things. Uh, 8.28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. If we affirm the existence of someone, if we approve it, through our actions, we'll also desire that they experience what is good, what is beautiful, and uh, what is true. I want to close with just a little exercise and kind of our response today, our, our response to the word. I want us to echo the psalm that Wes read for us. So in a moment, I'll read a, a part of the psalm, and then we'll all say together, God's love endures forever. So we can practice that. God's love endures forever. Okay, good. We'll say it with gusto and we'll celebrate it. You know, um, that, that's, that's one of the Psalms that Jesus would have prayed at the Last Supper. Uh, is, it, was, it was common to do that at Passover. And so it's just something he would, he would be celebrating the love of God, that, that, love, that God loved us enough to save us. 
and to rescue us. And so that's what we're going to celebrate is the love of God in that way. Um, but I was thinking about, uh, you know, when I was trying to just think about God's love, one of the places that I've seen that really clearly uh, in, the, in the last several weeks uh, is that uh, Young Elementary Church Camp out of Camp Bubman, which you all support, uh, and, and Brandy, our children's director, is the director of. And so uh, what, what a, it was a truly a privilege to be out there again, and I was able to do their chapel services with them. And so we talked about the Trinity, we talked about the love of God, and it was so much fun because you can just see all their little faces, and they just light up when they recognize like, oh, okay, there's good news to be had. And, they, and they, they don't hide any of their emotion. You know, it's just all out there. And then every once in a while you see a face and you think you're a little grieved because you see a face and you go, you know, I'm not so sure that someone has gone out of their way uh, to tell them that it is good that they exist. And so we have the privilege then there of, of saying that to them and saying, hey, it's good that you exist. And don't take my word for it, but take God's word for it. And, and then to see them kind of light up and, you know, we serve them communion and, and we're just saying and showing in every way we can, God loves you. He loves that you're here. He loves that you exist and, and that they would never forget that. So as I was kind of thinking about that and thinking about us sitting here today, I wonder if we could just take a moment, you may want to close your eyes and just picture yourself there in the pews at Scott Chapel, if you know Scott Chapel, or picture yourself at the pews of a church camp where you grew up or somewhere where you've been, maybe a church that you grew up in, and just see yourself as a child. You know, see yourself as a third or fourth grader and imagine God saying to you through a variety of ways, it is good that you exist. It is good that you're here. That the reason that you're here, I loved you so much. I love the idea of you so much that, that you were born and you're here. And, uh, and I always love you. And there's nothing that can ever separate you from my love. I hope that in the days to come that we'll be reminded of that great message uh, in the depths of our souls. And so uh, we respond to that. Let's, uh, let's echo together that God's love endures forever. So uh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of God, the Lord of Lords. Uh, give thanks to the God who saved us and reminds us in our baptism that we belong to God. We are grateful that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.